Hallelujah. Good morning. It is a nice day today. I know I don't like snow either, but it's still a nice day. It's a great day. We're in the house of the Lord today. That's awesome. I think it's, you know, a lot better place to be. Really. I got to read something out of Psalm 73, out of the Passion Translation. Verse 27 and verse 28. Those who abandon the worship of God will perish. The false and the unfaithful will be silenced, never heard from again. But here's some hope. Here's some really good hope right here. This is awesome. But I, but I'll keep coming closer and closer to you, Lord, Yahweh, for your name is good to me. I'll keep telling the world of your awesome works, my faithful and glorious God. Amen? I mean, we need to tell everybody about Jesus, right? We need to worship and praise our God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Amen? So the ones that are able to stand this morning, go ahead and stand and let's worship and praise God. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Father God, we ask you to have your way in this place today, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen.
wanting to be made new come down and breathe upon this heart that's drawing near again you take my broken
Hallelujah. Lord, we just love you this morning. Father God, we ask that today you will satisfy our every longing. Father God, that you will satisfy, oh Father God, that deep desire within us to see your glory, to fear your presence like never before. Father God, come into this house today. Let us experience your glory in our lives. We ask in Jesus' name, and everyone say, amen and amen. You may be seated in the house this morning. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, Lord, fill our cup indeed. Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see all of you who have uh, braved the uh, snow and the weather conditions outside uh, to be in the house this morning. Uh, it is a joy and a privilege to see you and to fellowship with you in the Lord's house this morning. Um, I want to go ahead and uh, take up our tithes and our offerings at this time. Um, so if, if our ushers will make themselves ready and available. You know, there is a powerful scripture in the Bible that simply says that God is going to give pressed down shaken together, overflowing to those who are of the Lord and who worship him and give to him and sacrifice. In fact, the scripture says this. It says that he should give pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, should men pour into your bosom which means that God is going to use the resources of man in order to bless you. And he's going to use the resources of man in order to lift you up and elevate your standing and your position so that you can be above the phrase, somebody understanding what I'm teaching here this morning. So, when we give to the Lord, you see, there's this, there's this human understanding that when we give to God, we are getting less. We're going to be resulting in less. But see, what the scripture says is when you give to God, God is going to put into the heart of man He's going to give into the heart of your job, into the heart of businesses. He's going to give into the heart of, of, of maybe family members or those around you to just out of the blue to say, you know what, I'm going to give you something special. 
I'm going to give you a little extra. I'm going to give you an increase. Can somebody say amen? I'm talking to somebody this morning. It may all of a sudden be even under the government to say to the government, you're going to give them a little extra, a little more. Why? Because when you give to God first, God says, I'm going to give pressed down, shaken together. I'm going to cause others to give unto you. Somebody give God some praise. So this morning as we give, let us give with a grateful heart and a thankful heart that God who has already began a good work, he is faithful to complete it and you will see the reward of the righteous. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we can give. Lord, we ask now that you will bless this tithe, bless this offering, bless those who have to give and those who have not. Father God, we pray that it will be of a great multitude to increase your kingdom. And that, Father God, we will see your work being done and accomplished here in this house. We give you praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say, amen and amen. God bless you as you give to the Lord. Let me also just say, I have been... Uh, for those of you who, who may already know, some of you may not already know, uh, but uh, soon um, we as a church, we are going to be starting some um, projects uh, that we're going to be needing some uh, help with. Um, these projects uh, will also cost some money to get done, so uh, continue to bless the Lord's house and, and we will see these projects done. But we are looking at doing many things. We're looking at uh, uh, moving our sound equipment and, and building literally a whole brand new uh, sound room. Amen. Can somebody say amen? We, we want to increase our live streaming capabilities and increase our uh, sound and, and equipment and, and, and do all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're looking for people who want to learn the sound equipment. If you want to learn the soundboard and and, and all of that. We're looking at the, helping to uh, train people in that so we can increase um, our production abilities. Um, and so um, we're going to be beginning project uh, construction work on that. Uh, we're also looking at um, uh, rebuilding our secretary's office. Um, for those of you who did not hear, my secretary just kind of gave out a big shout amen right there. Um, we're looking at kind of rebuilding that office uh, for her as well and making sure that that is an uh, appropriate space uh, for the work to be done in the house of the Lord. So, um, you know, we asked uh, as, as days and weeks come by, we may be having some work days coming up. Uh, so anybody who can assist with that, uh, it would be a blessing um, so that we can get these projects done, hopefully by summer. Uh, praise the Lord. Amen. At this time, our children may be dismissed to Children's Church. Our children's director is kind of waving me at me, making sure I don't forget to dismiss the children, uh, the Children's Church. So children, you may be uh, dismissed um, at this time. Amen. My children's director is very excited. We actually just got a brand new TV uh, downstairs for them as well um, and a brand new computer. And uh, so she is uh, very happy to be able to utilize some of these new resources 
that God is uh, wonderfully uh, blessing his church with. Amen. Praise God. Open up your Bibles with me. How many of you have your Bibles with you? Amen. Can I have somebody say amen? Is there, do we have anybody with their Bibles this morning? Did everybody forget their Bibles this morning? Uh, go to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah chapter 54. Now I want to begin reading with verse number 17 of Isaiah 54. Isaiah Isaiah is a rather large or lengthy book in the Bible. Uh, it's found somewhere right in the middle, usually. So if you flip your Bible to the middle, uh, you will be there. Uh, we do have it on the screen behind us as well. But Isaiah 54, verse 17, says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that riseth against thee in judgment, you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and the righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I just pray that you will bless this word, anoint this book. In your name we pray. Amen. In life, we often go through different struggles and seasons. In life, we often embrace challenges and difficult situations. And many of our struggles that we face are what I call self-inflicted. Many of our troubles that we experience are self-induced, meaning that by our actions and by our behaviors, we bring about the results that we are now having to deal with and live with. Yesterday, my children wanted to go sledding so they were getting themselves ready and my one son was apparently thinking that it was summertime and you could go sledding in the summertime and so he had some pants with holes that's the trend nowadays apparently pants with holes in the knees I still don't know if I figured out the reasoning there, but uh, that's, that's the generation, I guess. But uh, he thought that even though it was you know, only two degrees outside yesterday, he, he thought that it would be okay to go sledding uh, with pants that had holes in the knees and that that would be acceptable. And uh, my response to that was, if you want to have freezer-burned knees, like freezer-burned chicken legs, you know, then that would be acceptable to go sledding outside with those pants. However, 
I'm not in the mood to go to the hospital today. So you are going to change those pants and put on more appropriate clothing. But you see, sometimes we induce the things that we get. If you would go outside with holes in the pants when there's only two degrees outside, uh, you have nobody to complain to when you have uh, uh, frozen knees and frozen legs and you have uh, 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 you know, problems with your legs because you did it to yourself. Am I talking to anybody this morning? But sometimes our problems that we come across and sometimes our difficulties and struggles that we face are not self-inflicted. Sometimes, in fact, we come across problems and situations and things come into our life not because of uh, behavior or actions that we have done to receive that, but it's literally because a weapon was formed against you. Somebody has done something to you in order to bring about that struggle or that situation that you are now dealing with in your life. So we have self-inflicted problems and situations, and then we have non-self-afflicted problems and situations. And in fact, the non-self-inflicted problems and situations can oftentimes come from multiple different sources. They can come from people who we know and love. Or they can just come from maybe a source that is beyond our vision. A person that maybe we cannot see with our physical eyes, but yet these weapons that come against us are put into our life and thrown against us in order to prevent us from being all that God has called us to be. I have come to a realization in life that God wants us to be so much more than we are. Let me say that again. I, I, I believe God wants us to become so much more than what we are. I believe God has a purpose for our lives that many of us have not, in fact, if I might even be so bold as to say, I believe almost all of us have not even began to fully grasp or comprehend God's purpose for our life. A man named Moses never could have dreamed, even when he was living in the palace, being waited on hand and foot by servants, he never could have dreamed that many years from that point he would actually be standing before a Red Sea and under the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit he could lift up a staff and the entire Red Sea literally raise up and open up before him so that he could lead thousands of people on dry ground to the other side. 
I believe Moses never dreamed his purpose could be of such a mighty man of God. I believe as we look throughout the scripture, we will find many who never imagined the apostle Paul, whose name was Saul, as he looked upon the death of Stephen, as he condoned and even promoted the stoning of the man. At that moment, he never could have dreamed his life's purpose could be so drastically and radically transformed by Jesus Christ. Your purpose in your life, I believe most of us in this house have not even begun to fully grasp or comprehend the plan of God in your life. How God can use you and what God wants to do through you and through your family that many of us have not even begun to fully understand this. But yet I want to say to you here this morning that don't be afraid because God's plan for you is a good plan. God's purpose for you is a good purpose. And God is still on the throne. And since he's still on the throne, he still can work through you in a way that you can't even believe yet. So I want to encourage you this morning to come to that place in your life where you begin to say, God, I know I've not seen it yet. I know I have not begun to experience it yet. But God, whatever it is that you're doing, I want you to do it through me. God, whatever it is that you're doing, do through me. But now, but the minute you begin to say that, and the minute you begin to move forward, I want you to understand something. There is an enemy alive. There is an enemy at work. Just as much as God is at work, the enemy is at work. And he will do whatever he can to stop you from entering into the promise and fulfillment of God's purpose in your life. You see, the enemy with Moses, he knew Moses was going to be a man of God. And so what did he do? He tried to, in the very beginning of Moses' life, I'm going to kill every baby. Every Hebrew baby. Somehow, Moses miraculously made it through the massacre of thousands of infants by the hand of God. Saul who became Paul, could have easily. He was blinded by the enemy. In fact, he was blinded so much that when he stood there, he really thought he was doing God's plan until God showed up and said, why are you persecuting me? Because the enemy had so deceived his mind, he could not believe he was working against God. And so, I want to say to you this morning, don't 
give up. God's purpose in your life can still be fulfilled. God's purpose in your life can still be realized and actualized if you will only hang on and hang through. And I want to give you a word this morning, and that is found in Isaiah 54 that says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Can I say that again? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why? Because when the enemy wants to throw weapons at you in order to stop you and prevent you from realizing God's purpose in your life, God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. The weapon was formed against Joseph. When Joseph said, I have a dream. I have a dream. And he gave his dream and the enemy planted into the hearts of his own brothers to slay him. Kill the dream by killing the man. But no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Daniel was a man anointed by God to bring forth the word of God and to see the end of the exile in Babylon. And yet there in Babylon, while he was praying, and he opened his doors to Jerusalem to pray for the peace and prosperity of Jerusalem. Men saw him praying and decided to use his own prayer life against him. And they said, look at him, he's praying to an unknown God. And they manipulated the laws in order to bring Daniel into the lion's den. But no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Peter was a, a pastor for the church. He was called upon to raise up the church and to birth a movement of God in his day. He was called upon to raise the, the dead back to life and they heal the sick. Peter was called upon to preach the word in season and out of season. And when the leaders heard him preaching, they put Peter in prison. And they said, tomorrow you are going to die. Tomorrow, Peter, is going to be your execution day. Tomorrow, Peter, is going to be the last day you breathe on this earth, for the law has already sentenced you to death. Peter went to sleep in the prison cell, knowing no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. John, while preaching the word all throughout Asia Minor, 
all of a sudden they caught John. And even in his old age, even in his 90s, Hallelujah. Can I tell you something? Even in his 90s, they said, John, we don't want you preaching anymore. We're going to send you to an island called Patmos. We're going to send you to an island there because we believe on that rock query of an island where there's no blessing, where there's no refreshing, where there's nothing good on the island. On this island, John, you're going to die. On this island, John, you're going to give up. On this island, John, you're going to let everything go around you and just give in and give up. Hallelujah. But John, when he got to the island of Patmos on the Lord's day, he said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. I said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Hallelujah. And he saw the Spirit on the Lord's day. Hallelujah. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Job chapter 22. In Job chapter 22, we find a story. We find a father who is trying to do the best for his children. In the book of Job, we find this man whose name was Job. He was a good man, a righteous man. The Bible says that Job prayed and he sought after God. Job, in fact, sought to raise his children in the ways of God. I believe Job would even try to raise his whole family, wife included, to know God. Believe on God, trust in God, seek God. And as Job was living the best life he could and was trying to raise his family in the way they should go, so that way, you know, in the end, they would live for God and believe on God. And yet we find in the story, as sad as the story is, that when his children grew up, they actually no longer believed in God. They kind of turned their backs on God. I want to talk to your parents this morning. You do the best that you can. You raise up your children in the ways of the Lord. And then time go by. They may stay with God. They may not. Sometimes we put that on ourselves and we say, well, maybe it's my fault that they didn't turn to God. Maybe it's my fault that they're not believing in God. And I believe this is where Job was. 
My kids are no longer serving God, even though I raised them to serve God. I taught them to serve God. I explained to them who God was. I explained to them the importance of believing in God. But now they're, they're doing their own thing. But maybe it's my fault. So I'm going to continue to sacrifice and pray and ask God to forgive them on my, on my behalf. Because I'm sure he felt like it was maybe his fault. But I want to speak to, the, to your parents here this morning, and I want to say to you, don't allow the enemy to speak those lies into your life. Remember, the Bible says that there comes a day where every man, every man, woman, or person has to make that decision to know and believe in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Keep taking your children to church. Keep giving them Bible studies. Keep, keep, keep on uh, listening to Christian worship music with them in the, uh, in the atmosphere around you. Keep on doing what you're doing. But listen, if they turn away from God, don't, uh, don't put it all on you and say, well, I must have been a horrible parent because that is the lie of the enemy. That's the weapon that, that the enemy wants to throw at you. To cause you to fail in your walk with God, to fail to enter into that ultimate purpose God has for your life. Job kept on praying and praying and praying. The devil went to see God, and God said, Look at my servant Job. What a great man he is, a man of righteousness, a man of great reverence for me. And Satan said to God, he said, is he righteous because of his character or is he righteous because of how much you have blessed him? If you were to take everything away from him, I bet he's going to curse you. If you were to take away all of his material possessions, I bet you he will curse you and he will no longer be righteous. And I want you to see what God did. God said, go ahead, Satan. Take away everything he owns. Take away everything he had. Take it all away. All of his material possessions. Remove them from him. You see, I want you to understand something. Sometimes, as, as hard as you pray, as much as you believe in God, sometimes those weapons are still going to be formed against you. You see, God did not say in Isaiah 54 that he did not say no weapon is ever going to ever show up in your life. He just said no weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper. But that means that the weapons are still going to be formed. God's still going to allow the weapons to be fashioned and formed and he's still going to allow the weapons to come against you in your life. Amen. Are you following me? He did not say he's going to stop the weapons from ever being produced or made. 
The weapons are still there. We still have to face struggles. We still have to face issues. We still got to face trials. And the devil came into Job's life and literally took everything away from him. He took away all of his house. He took away all of his material possessions. All of it gone. And yet, Job went to his altar of prayer and he began to pray. And I believe Job began to say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Though every material possession I have, though my house is burnt to the ground, though my cattle and my livestock, my money, my, 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 my job, my career, though it's all gone, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. God, I still love you. Satan came back around to visit God. And I believe God, maybe even in a little bit of a snarky voice, said, I thought you said he was going to curse me. I knew you to be a liar, but see, you're lying way too much. Well, God, Satan said, if you were to take away his family, his sons, his children, he loves his sons, he loves his children. I tell you what, God, if you were to take them away, bring, bring them out of the picture, he absolutely will curse you. He will call you a nothing, a no-gooder. Allow me to remove the children from his life. God said, go ahead. And one day, while the kids were there doing their own foolish things, the Bible says that the house fell down upon them and they all died. They all perished. Oh, if all of a sudden in one moment I lost all of my children, how my heart would be broken. In one moment, an instant of an eye, if I was to lose all three of my children, I don't know if I could continue to stand. And yet, Job, when the weapon was thrown at him, and the weapon was to break his heart, the weapon was to break him down to the point of him cursing God, to the point of him denouncing his faith in God, to the point of him rejecting God as the all-time Savior and Redeemer of his life. Job went back to his altar of prayer, and I believe Job began to pray, Oh God, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. No weapon fashioned against me shall prosper. No weapon formed against me 
God went back and the devil made his way into the courtroom of God. And God once again said, Job's still doing it. He's still, he's still serving me. He hasn't given up yet. Let me put a disease upon his body. Let me hurt him physically so bad. He will curse you. He will denounce you. And God said, you can do that. There's one thing. You cannot take his life. But go ahead. And the devil went to Job. And Job, again, no actions on his own caused this. No behavior of his own caused this. This was not an issue of his friends or family bringing this to him. This was a weapon of the enemy that came into his life to bring him boils all over his skin. As he got these big, huge blisters called boils that literally just bubbled up inside the skin that literally caused itching and rashing. That was so irritating. It would, it would cause most people, if you ever get boils, it would, it would cause even, even the most sanest of people to go insane with how itching and bad it was underneath the skin. And yet here Job, by no action of his own, no fault of his own, nothing he did, no person could ever give this to him. It's not contracted by, by virus or anything else. There was a weapon formed against him. It was a weapon of the enemy fashioned against him. And yet, dealing with all of this irritation on his physical body. How I many you know sometimes we can go through life and get irritated at things? Come on now. Am I, am I, am I preaching something basic this morning? How many times do we go through life and we get irritated by little things maybe your children do? Lord, I'm talking to my own self this morning. How many times do we, get, do we get irritated by things our spouses do? <sighs> I probably shouldn't share this story, but I will anyways. My wife will yell at me later. But two days ago or three days ago, my wife bought a brand new little candle thingy it's a little vase-looking dumb thing that has a light bulb in it. And apparently you put a candle in this top thingy, and the heat from the light bulb melts the wax, and it's supposed to give the beautiful scent of the wax and, you know, make the house smell pretty and, and 
or whatever. And <clears throat> I, I didn't know how the thing worked, of course, and my wife already had it up on the mantel and it was already turned on and smelling nice. And I, I got out of my office and I, I walked in and I said, oh, this is nice, this is new. And I didn't, not knowing how the dumb thing worked, I didn't realize that the liquid wax was literally just sitting on the top. I wanted to look closer inside to see how it was operating. And so I picked it up and went like this, only to have the wax all melt on top of the mantra. Needless to say, my wife was not jumping up with ecstatic joy at that moment. She was not very pleased or happy with the results of my observation. And she began to say to me, how could you be so foolish? Could you not see there was liquid on the top? Why would you just tip the thing over? And I said, well, clearly I didn't know there was liquid on the top. I don't think I'm that stupid to just pour liquid on top of things. She said, well, you did something stupid. Well, I didn't, I didn't know. And even though it was my fault, this is, this is Pastor Ben, even though it was my fault, I spilled the hot liquid, I spilled the hot mix, and I was irritated with my wife. I was irritated with her for yelling at me because of the dumb thing I did. Don't all y'all look at me to give you holier than me. I was irritated though. Why are you yelling at me? I didn't know. Why are you mad at me? But you see, we can all get irritated at things, right? We can all get irritated by dumb stuff at times. Even when it's your own fault. But now imagine how irritated Job was. This rash, this boils are underneath his skin, causing his skin to boil up in little in big fat blisters all around his entire body. Job was irritated. Job was frustrated. Job was unhealthy. He was sick. He had a disease. He was called unclean by those around him, even though he was probably the most righteous man of his generation. And yet Job, when the devil watching him, saying, ha, this weapon surely will cause Job to curse God. This weapon I just threw at him will surely cause Job to stop him dead in his tracks so that he never can receive the purpose of God in his life. I'm going to stop Job. 
This weapon did it. This weapon is the ultimate weapon. It's going to do what I want it to do. And yet Job found himself in the old piece of pottery. He broke it. And with a broken shard of pottery, not sharp, not like a nice knife or a clean blade, nope, a broken piece of jagged, ragged edge pottery. And he took it and he went to his skin and he began to peel off his skin while peeling it off. His wife nagging at him in the background. Curse God and die. Job with a raggedy edge, broken piece of pottery, shaving off his skin, began to say, I know my Redeemer liveth. I believe Job was looking at the devil right then in his prayer life and with every scrape of the skin he was saying, Satan, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Satan, no weapon fashioned against me is going to succeed. Satan, nothing you do against me is going to cause me to lose my faith and my righteousness in Jesus Christ. Satan, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And in Job 22, he says this. Eliphaz the Temite begins to talk to him. And he tells Job this. In Job 22, Verse 28, he says, Job, thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. Let me say that again. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you. One more time. Thou shalt decree a thing, and it should be established to you. I believe that's the word of God to the church this morning. He's saying to the church even today, you should decree a thing, and it should be established unto you. Now, let me, let me, let me teach you something here this morning, because you see, oftentimes in church, we hear of two different words. We hear of declare and decree. Decree and declare. We oftentimes, we hear people say, Declare and decree over your life. And sometimes we can be confused as to what those two words are. Those two words are not synonymous. They actually mean different things. Because you see, the word declare simply means that, to speak, to make a declaration. To speak something out of your mouth, to make a declaration. What you are speaking is going to be what you know. 
You're speaking something that you know. You're making a declaration. In fact, declaration usually has in its meaning the implication of to speak a truth. So when you are declaring something, you are speaking a truth. You are making a declaration of something that is true. But to decree is not the same. In fact, the word decree, literally, as you see it all throughout the Old Testament, literally means a law that has been written down and should be now established. A law. When Daniel found himself in trouble with King Nebuchadnezzar, so much to the point of being thrown into the lion's den, it was because he broke a decree. The king had made a decree. No one should pray to anybody else but to the king. But when Daniel came back out of the lion's den, the king made a new decree. He made a new law. He put the, on paper a new establishment. You see, because a decree is a law. And so when Job says in Job 22, Verse 28, he says, you should decree a thing. In other words, he's saying, you should make the law. You should speak the law. You should declare the law. Can you please turn down my microphone, please? I'm, I'm really hot. You should decree, you should declare the decree. And it should be established unto you. This morning, I came to you with a decree from Scripture, a law that has been written down in this world that we live in, a law that has been established since God himself spoke it to the prophet Isaiah. A law not a statement, a law. When God says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's not a statement. That is a law. It is a kingdom law written down in the kingdom of God. It is a law that has been established in Christ's kingdom. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. That's the law. And now the Bible says to you and to me today, he says, you should decree a thing and it shall be established unto you. I came by to let you know today, hallelujah, that you can begin to decree that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You can begin to walk in life in victory knowing that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Let me say that again. You can begin to decree no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Though the enemy may raise up a flood against me, the Lord is going 
going to raise up a standard against it. Though the enemy may throw me in a fiery den, hallelujah, I shall not be burned. Though a hair on my head should be singed. Though I might be found in a lion's den, and I might be found around those who want to kill me and gnash me apart, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'm decreeing this in my life. I'm decreeing this over my children. I'm decreeing this over my destiny, over my future. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me in this place as I close. Because Isaiah says, this is the heritage of the righteous. This is the heritage of the righteous. Give me some music, please, if you will, as I close. 